Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. So we're starting a new series today called Timeless. And it's, uh, if we go back, do we have the title slide? So old advice for a new day. So we're just going to look into this book together and we're going to look for what God has to say to us from it, and, and the things that are there are truly timeless. They apply back then, and they apply even now. And as we trust God and walk in them, we will see that our life will have some beautiful results. Now, to help us, though, I want to give us a little bit of an overview or review of how we got uh, to the book of Proverbs. There should be another slide before. Sorry, Cho. So, Here's sort of a picture for you just to help you. Whenever you are looking at the Old Testament, it's good for us to understand how to properly interpret what we're reading. And so you have Genesis 1, God creates everything out of nothing. And then Genesis 3, there's the fall, which is sort of shows, reminds us of the reality of what we're living in right now, that Adam and Eve chose to reject God and his plan for them, and then sort of made a, a mess of things, and we're all living in that reality now. Then you go to Genesis 12, and then God calls Abraham and promises him that if you, if you heed my call and listen to me, there's going to be some blessing that come to your life. And then Abraham, like old boy, just gets up and says, I'm going. And he sort of becomes this picture of what it means to trust God by faith, walking into things that I can't see at all, but God says he's going to be good, and it's coming back, I promise. If not, I got it right here, so I'll just kind of yell from right here. But I'll just keep going. So after uh, the call of Abraham, his, God fulfilled his promise, and Abraham has a son, and then his descendants spread out, and then eventually they are held captive in Egypt. So they, they spread out, and then a pharaoh raises up who doesn't know them, and he is harsh with them. And for 400 years, they're there, and then God sends Moses, and then there's the exodus. And God rescues them, and then there's the covenant with Israel at Sinai. That's like Leviticus, all these laws. Now, here's what's important about that. Notice that the exodus, God saves them, and then he gives them rules. See, some people, they look at Christianity, they're like, it's all just a bunch of rules. No, it's, it's, a, it's a reality of walking in grace. The, the rescue comes before the rules. And so we walk in the things that God says, not because we're trying to get God to love us, but because he loves us. And he says, I've rescued you, and these rules, these commands that I've given you, if you do them, you're going to live a good, God-honoring life. Things are going to go well for you. So the rescue comes before the rules. Grace first. And so they, God sort of says, this is how you are to live as my people. He promises them they're going to enter into the promised land. And then they actually 
enter in. Joshua and Judges is this picture of that. But then the people demand some things from God. They're like, we want to be like the nations that are around us. And so we want a king. And they get the worst king ever, Saul. This insecure, bullish, doesn't listen to anyone kind of person. A terrible king. And so it's gone again. I'm going to be doing dancing up here. You know, it's like juggling chainsaws. Okay, they re- request Saul. Saul's terrible. Then God sort of eventually says, I'm going to give you a king that's after my own heart. Then there's King David. So King David is appointed. And First Samuel to Chronicles sort of gives you that picture. And then David has some children. And eventually he has a son named Solomon. And Solomon is the one who writes some of the book of Proverbs, and then their life is sort of lived there, and then eventually you get the coming of Christ. It's gone again. Let me turn. I'm just going to look on this. Jesus comes, lives for us, dies in our place. The thing is, what you got to understand is Proverbs is written with all of the previous history in mind. So when you read Proverbs, what you're what you're Reading is someone who un, who's fully informed of everything that's gone before in the history of the people of Israel. Proverbs is actually a picture of why we need Jesus Christ. Because when you look into it, when you see it, you realize like no one can do these things perfectly. But Jesus is this fully complete wise man who lives a life of wisdom in every single way. And then we're sort of, you know, on the other side of the cross. There's us today. And so when we read Proverbs, what we've got to do is we've got to remember that we are looking backwards and that we apply everything in light now of the gospel, of being in Christ. And so that's sort of a little bit of, an, of how we got the book of Proverbs. Then I want to tell you how Proverbs was written. Here's the overview now. It was written by Solomon and others. Proverbs is an invitation to pursue godly wisdom and live a meaningful life. And Proverbs is filled with deep, powerful insights for living our lives. If you go through it, you'll see that God gives advice on a wide range of situations. How to navigate money, how to navigate self-control, how to navigate anger, speech, sexuality, temptation, all these things are there. Proverbs also shows us the importance of one generation training, discipling, and mentoring the next generation. Proverbs 1, 8 to 9 says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are garland They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Proverbs 4, verse 1 to 4 says, Listen, my son, to a father's instruction and gain understanding. And and I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching. So you got this father who's saying like, Son, listen to me. Look at my life. Listen to what I am saying because what I'm instructing you will be good for you. And he says, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. There's There's a word to our culture right there. He says, when I was 
a son. I was cherished by my mother. We live in a culture where kids are viewed as an inconvenience. That they're not, they're not something to be cherished. They're something to be avoided. That if I have a child, then I can't sort of go about and doing my thing and living my life. And that's selfish. That's wrong. And that's what our culture promotes. But he says, I was cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commandments and you will live. I want to say something to parents and those expecting. Kids are a gift. And there's going to be days where you're going to feel like, who is sufficient for these things with them? But they are, if you see them as anything else other than a gift, you are, you are going in a wrong direction. They're a gift from God, and you are to take care of them. They're a gift, and they're a responsibility. A child coming into your life is no small thing. They're a gift and a responsibility, and we are to love them, and we are to teach them. Proverbs shows that. We are to love them and teach them. Teach them about God. Teach them about the holiness of God. Teach them about the grace of God. Teach them the gospel, that we made a mess of things, but that God in his grace sends his son to die in our place and put things right. Teach them that God is a shepherd, that there's never been a moment in your life that he has left you on your own. Teach them that God is a provider. That then when they sit at your table and the food that is there, you say, this didn't get here by accident. The clothes that you get to wear, the car that you get to drive in, the friends that you have, the bed that you sleep in, all of those things are there because God provides. And you put that in them. You get them ready for life outside your house. You put the, the word of God, the truth of God in them so that they're ready for when somebody tells them some nonsense outside your house. You get them ready to do battle. Teach them the importance of family. That family is not something to be wasted. That it's not something to look on with judgmentalism. That yes, family can be tough. Yes, family can be messy, but teach them to delight and enjoy in family. Teach them about the church. That yeah, it's a messy bunch of people that hurt one another, but it's God's people. And that we need one another. That we are to stick together. Teach them to respect authority. Again, our culture hates authority. Get your child ready to say, authority in your life is a good thing. When it's handled well, teach them to respect authority and work hard. Teach them to enjoy life. Life's hard. We all know that. But there's some good things about life. There's nothing like being at a barbecue with your family in the summertime. You know that breeze blows through, you smell the cooked food, you're like, I could stay here forever. Teach them to enjoy life. Teach them to choose friends wisely. We're in the spot right now with our, our oldest boy. And he, I, I, let him go to, I let him go to school and almost every day I want to cry as he gets out the car. Because I'm like, I can't make every decision for him now. And I want him to make 
good friends. I want him to be wise. I don't want him to make the mistakes his dad made. Following the wrong crowd, getting in the kind of trouble his dad got into, but we're trying to help him, and you are to do the same. Teach them to choose friends wisely. Treat them, teach them to be good people and to treat people well. Get them ready for life outside your house. And to those with adult children, you're like, Marv, I've raised my babies. Pray for your babies. Pray that they would walk with God. Some of us have kids, they're not walking with the Lord. Go on your knees, ask God to speak, change their heart, rescue them and walk with him. Pray for them to walk in the wisdom that you've shared with them. See, parenting is an opportunity to help another human being live a good life. That is how we are to see it, an opportunity to help someone live a good life. And we never want to waste opportunities. And I don't want to waste my opportunity today to talk to you about trusting and fearing God. Trusting and fearing God. See, when we trust the Lord, the reason why I want to talk to you about this today is when we trust the Lord and fear the Lord, there is life-changing results that come to us. My heart today is I want you to see the blessing and the benefits of trusting God. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There's wisdom. There's wisdom in trusting the Lord. That is our first point. Proverbs 5, verse 5, sorry, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. The Christian is called to trust God. The, 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 the verb here means to, that verb for trust in Hebrew means to lay face down flat on something. Just picture a person laying flat on, on a massage table. What the Bible calls us to do is to put our whole life, the weight of our life, on God. There's a total reliance on him. See, trusting God means I trust him with my past. There's some things that I did back there. But he looks at me and he says, you're my child. And those things back there are as far as the east is from the west. And so I don't wake up full of shame. I wake up full of joy. Because it's all in the past. I trust God with my past. I trust God with my present. Because he says that he is my shepherd and that he is with me all the time. And so, yeah, there's a moment I might feel alone, but that is not true. God is with me in the moment right now. So I trust him with my past. I trust him with my present. And I trust him with my future. He's made some promises to me and he ain't going to fail on any of them. And so I look and I say, I trust you completely. I am betting my life on the truth and on the wisdom of God. And the trust has to be total and exclusive. 
You're like, where do you get that? Verse five, with all your heart. My mind, my emotions, my will, all of it is in full surrender to God. I'm trusting him completely. Now, it's not easy for us to trust God. I'm up here telling you, you need to trust the Lord. We need to trust the Lord. And I'm walking all week trying to figure out if I actually truly trust God. It's not easy to trust the Lord. I want to give you a couple reasons. One, sometimes it feels like he's not there. Sometimes it's tough to trust the Lord because it feels like he's not there. Joseph Minnick said we do not, that we do not see him when we pray, that he often seems distant. Our experiences and our relationships feel as though they're lived out in the face of deafening divine silence. That is one of the reasons why some people choose atheism. It just feels like God is not there. And though it feels that way sometimes, watch this, Psalm 139. If I ascend to the heavens, you are what? Say it. There. There. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are, say it. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. There's never a moment in your life where it maybe feels like God's not there. He's always there. And feelings are real. Feelings are legitimate. But our feelings, we have to respond to our feelings in light of what the word of God says. That is what guides the way we respond. We are not to be led around by our feelings. We are led around by the word of God and what he says to us. It's hard to trust God. Sometimes it feels like he's not there. And the other one is, we don't know him that well. Some, it's just hard to trust God because some of us really don't know the Lord all that well. And we've got to get to know him. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path." The literal translation of this is, in all your ways, know the Lord. We are to know him. That word acknowledge could be translated that, know. Now, how do you get to know someone? You spend time with them. Right? You think of a, of a young couple. What do they do? They're like, you know, we're kind of feeling one another. This seems nice. And they say, well, we need to get to know one another to see where this is going, if we can sort of keep walking together. I remember when Kim and I first started dating in high school, the way we got to know one another was just breathing on the phone. Because <sighs> <sighs> in high school, you have nothing to talk about. <laughs> what did you do in math? I slept. <sighs> <laughs> but you got to get to know one another, you got, they go on dates, they prioritize each other. It's the same thing that we have to do with God. We got to get to know him. I want you to turn to somebody and just say, we got to get to know him. Come on, a little louder. We got to get to know him. We have to put time in. You're all feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'm trying to get us together here on this. 
We're a family. It's good to talk. I'm going to do it, Yogi. I know I got you in the back. All right. Don't let me get all squirrely up here now. We got to get to know him. And we get to know God by spending time with God in the word. That's how you do it. Like, how do I get to know God? It's time with God in the word of God. And as we get to know him, trust builds. You know why? Because we learn how he thinks. We learn what's important to him. We learn what he wants from us. We learn about his character. And we learn what he will do for us. And then the walking with God gets sweeter. It gets sweet. Do you know why? Because you know who you're walking with. And so you're walking with someone who are like, I know what this person's all about. I know what they're going to do. I know their faithfulness. And so there's all kinds of trust. And so the walk gets sweet and the walk gets easy. Hard to trust the Lord because we don't know him all that well. And then the other one is sometimes we think we know best. Hard to trust God because we think sometimes we know best. And God knows this about us. You know why? How I know? Because he says it. It says, and to not lean on your own understanding. God knows we have a tendency to just say, I can figure this out. I know best. I can do it without God. See, we have some common sense. We have some wisdom. We know some things, but we don't know all things. God is the one who knows all things. The root of this verb, lean, again, means to put your entire weight on something. God looks at us and he says, Marv, do not put all of your weight on yourself. Throw all of yourself onto me. Because I can handle all of it. I can take all the weight of your life. I can take all that you need to live life. He says, do not trust in yourself. Trust in me. And you want to know how you're, if you are leaning on yourself? You want to know if uh, in your life you are leaning on your own understanding? Here are some ways you can know. There's no prayer. Tough situation shows up, you just try to figure it out. Let's make a plan. There's no falling on your knees and asking God for wisdom and for help. There's no prayer. There's no reading the word of God. What does God's word have to say in this situation? There's no seeking counsel. The Bible says in in Proverbs, it says, in the abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. If you're about to make a decision in your life, what the Bible says to do is to talk to someone, to seek counsel, to seek somebody who's lived a little bit more life than you, and get counsel. Maybe you get counsel, but when the counsel comes, you just disregard it. You're trusting in yourself and not the Lord. See, when we disobey this command, what we're doing is we're disrespecting God. Because we're looking at God and we're saying, You are not trustworthy. We're looking at God and we're saying, you don't know better than I know. And Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. I don't say that to be disrespectful. I'm just telling you what the word says. That when we trust in ourself, it is 
foolish. Foolish decisions are going to be made because our understanding is limited. But when our mind is renewed by the mind of God, wise decisions get made all the time. In your life, there's going to be stress. This week, there's going to be stress. This week, there's going to be things that frustrate you. This week, there's going to be things that tempt you. There's going to be things that confuse you. This week, or maybe in a few weeks, there's going to be a decision that needs to be made, and if you make the wrong choice, it will have life-altering consequences. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be anger. There's going to be doubt. And the Bible tells us in those moments what to do. Trust in God. To turn to him and ask for help. Independence on prayer. Why? Because God is more competent than we are. And sometimes that's hard for us to receive. That I'm not the smartest person on earth. That I don't know it all. That God knows better than me. That he is far more competent and calls me to turn to him. See, verses like this get you ready for the battle that's coming around the corner. Because it tells you what to do. Turn to God. And when we go to God, he will give us the wisdom that we need. It says that he will make our path straight. That is the reward of trusting God. Our path will be made straight. The path is straight because through knowing God and his word, knowing what he wants from us, knowing what he has done, we will be able to make the right decisions in every challenge and situation. And a straight path with God means that you're guaranteed to make your destination. Proverbs 29, 25 says, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Whoever trusts in God is safe. We love safety. People are buying a house. What do they say? Is the neighborhood safe? When somebody's trying to sell you a car, they'd say it goes fast, and here are the safety features. They, it will break for you if you're texting and driving. We love safety. We make decisions based on our longing for safety. And the Bible says if you want to be safe in your life, if you want to feel that peace of safety, you are to trust God with every part of you. There's wisdom in trusting the Lord. That's not the only good advice that we get in this text. Look at verse 7. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Here's the second thing I want to show you, that there is wisdom in fearing the Lord. There's great wisdom in fearing the Lord. The text says to be not wise in your own eyes. And listen to what the Bible says about this kind of person. Proverbs 26, uh, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The Bible says the person who thinks I can live life all on my own, I don't need any help at all, is almost hopeless. There's more hope for a fool than for that person. This is the kind of person none of us, none of us should want to be. We want to be that person who is dependent on 
God. See, the opposite of being wise in your own eyes is fearing the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is, the, is, the, is, is what the whole book of Proverbs is truly about. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That the, the way, the first step in living a wise, meaningful life starts with fearing God. Now, fearing God doesn't mean being terrified of God. It's not this running away from God. Fearing God means I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he will do what he promises to do. And when I believe those things, there's this love, there's this respect, there's this awe that comes to our lives. And the, the people who fear God, there are some very practical results that come to their life. I want to show you. When we fear the Lord, we experience God's blessing. We experience God's friendship. There's this, this intimacy that comes to the relationship. It's gone again, but it's right here. We avoid evil. We experience God's mercy. Do you know this week I almost didn't do this? But God had mercy on me. That's right, right over there. He's with me, amen. We experience God's mercy. We are granted life. We experience, it's back, God's acceptance. I know it's back because the phones, right? We experience God's acceptance. Listen to what Acts says on this. It says, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Here's a word to non-Christian people. The word is that acceptance from God is available and possible. That you can be accepted by the Lord, but it starts with fearing God. The person who's outside of the faith, this is where you start. You start by fearing God. And remember, fearing God is believing God is who he says he is. Believing in what he has done in Jesus Christ and believing in what he has promised to do for us. And when we trust those things, when we look at God, we see that we have sinned against God, but in his mercy, he has worked rescue for us in his son. When we place our faith in that reality, we are accepted into the family of God. There's this belief in the gospel. Then salvation comes. Acceptance is possible. It starts with fearing the Lord. See, fearing God leads to some nice results for the Christian. But a lack of fear of God wreaks havoc on our culture and community. Do you know that? A lack of fear in God destroys culture and community. I want to show you this as well. Romans 3 says, There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There's no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers' venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their path. And the path of peace they have not known. Why? Here it is. There's no fear of God before their eyes. See the dope dealer in the neighborhood? You know why they do it? There's no fear of God. 
the gang violence that like plagues a community just in here behind us, you know why that is? There's no fear of God. The shootings that we see on the news, people shooting one another on the 401, whatever it is. Why is that? There is no fear of God. The racism that we see sometimes in our community towards one another. Why is that? There's no fear of God. The rejection of authority. Leaders who are deceptive, we cannot trust them. There's no fear of God. The senseless wars that we see sometimes being fought. Why? No fear of God. The gossip and strife that sometimes can plague even the church. Why is that? No fear of God. The sexual violence that sometimes we see happen to people in our culture. Why is that? What makes people think they can do these things and there's no consequences? They have no fear of God before their eyes. And we as a church need to tell our community and culture these things because social programs only help to a point and they do help. There's nothing wrong with a social program trying to make the community better, but that will only go so far. What makes lasting true change is a growth in the fear of God. And we have the opportunity to say, do you want to see these things get right? It does not start with trusting ourselves, trying to figure th something out. It starts with us falling on God, asking for his help. He tells us the way to get it right, to trust in him and not trust ourselves. A lack of fear of God destroys community and culture. And the truth is we're living in that right now. And so we are to pray Pray and share that the fear of God would grow so that true change can come. Trusting the Lord has rewards, so does fearing the Lord. Verse 8 says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, we need healing and we need refreshment, what the Bible talks about, that we need this because of sin. The reason why we need to be refreshed, the reason why we need to be healed is because of sin. Psalm 32 says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one who, whose sin the Lord does not count against them. When I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. Psalm 38 there's no soundness in, my, soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my, that should have sin there. See, you never want to fall into the trap of thinking sin has no consequences and no effect on us. It does. It destroys and so sometimes we drift in and think like there's nothing that's going to come from this. The Bible says that sin actually harms you emotionally and spiritually. Never fall into the lie of thinking that it makes no difference because it does, it harms us. And so we need healing and refreshment and this healing and refreshment comes from getting wisdom. It says wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. For there are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. The way that we are healed and refreshed is that we have to get wisdom. 
This is what we have to go after. This is what we have to have in our life. And this wisdom that we have to get, that we have to have in our life, is a person. The wisdom we need is a person. First Corinthians says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is how our life becomes healed. That is how we get refreshment in our bones. Through a person, Jesus Christ. And when we come to Christ, his wisdom comes into our life. He shows us the way that we are to live. When we come to him, he heals us emotionally and he heals us spiritually. Your whole life is changed and at his return, all of us will experience physical healing in our mind and our bodies. We have to get the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ. And some of us have him. And we are to know that we are in the process of being healed. That spiritually God is working in us. But some of us don't have Jesus. And we need Christ. And the the way you get him is by believing the gospel. That he is truly the one who can change you, heal you, and do an amazing work in your life. He is the wisdom of God, the wisdom we need. And the person who fears the Lord and trusts God with their entire life, all of this comes healing to our flesh and our bones. See, I want you to see that there's wisdom in trusting the Lord. There's wisdom in fearing the Lord. And when we obey his commands, I hope you see from the text, there's life-changing results. You walk a straight path your whole body and life is refreshed. There's a vitality that Jesus brings to the life of the person who truly trusts him and walks with him. Bow with me and pray. I just want you to stand uh, right now with me as we do this. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Shay, I'm going to do something a little different. I want you guys to just start singing the song. And just take this moment right now. Just, And I don't want you to sing. I just want you to listen. And I want you to pray for yourself and pray uh, these realities into your, uh, into your heart. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.